uh, welcome to today's webcast, UNESCO Mobile Learning Week webinar, Promoting Financial Literacy Among Somali Youth Through Mobile Audio Instruction. Our presenter today is Lila Del Santo, Project Manager. Lila, you now have the floor and you can take over as presenter. Great. Thank you so much, Angela, for the introduction. Uh, good morning, or I suppose good afternoon for some of you. Uh, as Angela mentioned, I am a project manager at Souktel, and uh, today I would be sharing our experience implementing a financial literacy initiative in Somalia using basic mobile phone technology. Okay, great. There we go. I uh, just want to make sure that the slides are pulled up. Okay, so we, we found uh, that the encouraging results of the project really speak to the need for further empowerment initiatives in Somalia that focus on extending access to excluded groups, especially young women. And we found that mobile technology uh, could be a platform for such interventions. Okay. Uh, so I guess before, I just want to interject really quickly before I um, explain how I'm going to break down the presentation. I, I, we, all, we know that there are different names for the region. Um, when I say Somalia, I'm, I'm referring to the Somali regions. Uh, so I just, I wanted to make that point up front. Uh, and to begin the presentation, uh, I'd like to start by just briefly providing some essential data on Somalia and Somali women's economic, political, and social situation, uh, as well as to introduce an overview of the expanding Somali ICT sector. I'll then move on to the case study and provide more project-specific information and data on the Somali Youth Livelihoods Program and how we at Souptel leveraged basic mobile phones to provide vital financial literacy skills and job placement services to youth across Somaliland, Puntland, and South Central Somalia. Okay, let's see. So it doesn't, it doesn't appear as I, it doesn't appear like I have access. Um, oh, there we go. Okay. Thank you. Um, okay. So I, I'm wondering if the connection is good enough though for me to be able to, to click through the slides. I can go ahead and click through the slides. Please. Okay. Thank you, Angela. I appreciate it. No um, okay, uh, <clears throat> so basically over two decades of conflict has had a devastating impact on what was already an, a feeble Somali economic uh, social infrastructure and, and education system. So as you can see, Somalia ranks first on the failed state index, which is a composite rating of 12 social, economic, political, and military indicators. Uh, with regard to economic productivity, Somalia's economy has been in recession since the outbreak of the civil war in the 1980s. And consequently, the country's GDP of $284 is fourth worst in the world, and, and government revenue is one of the lowest in the world, and, and really renders impossible the delivery of, of basic government services to Somali citizens. But what's further worrisome is a growing demographic youth bulge. So you have 70% of the population under the age of 30, and this combined with staggering youth unemployment rates has really spurred the need for significant youth empowerment initiatives and, and for a more bottom-up approach to political and economic development, which engages the Somali population at large. Uh, 
And if we could switch to the next slide. Wonderful, thank you. Uh, with regard to the status of Somali women, the, the exclusion of Somali women in the economic, political, and social spheres of life is, is much more pronounced than their male counterparts. Uh, according to a 2011 expert poll, Somalia ranks fifth behind Afghanistan, uh, the DRC, Pakistan, and India as the worst country for women. So gender-based violence is prevalent, uh, even in parts of Somalia where, where there is relatively stable, um, it's relatively stable politically. Uh, a situation has emerged in, in which long-term threats to the security and health of women are, are quite prevalent. And as you can see in the stats I've provided, uh, the institutionalization of political, cultural, and economic inequality of women is evidenced by the UNDP Gender Inequality Index uh, for Somalia, it's 0.773. And ranked globally, this places Somalia at the fourth lowest position. Uh, yet ironically, in many ways, Somali women are, are the backbone of society and, and the breadwinners in many households. Uh, the displacement of women and children, the loss of husbands and male family members due to political strife and conflict, and uh, divorce have contributed to the increase in female participation in the workforce. And if we could switch to the next slide. Okay, regarding education, with, with the outbreak of the Civil War in 1991 and, and between destruction of school infrastructure the displacement of millions of people, uh, and the lack of, of central government and a budget for education, few Somali children have had access to quality education in, in the 1990s. And Somali youth and young women especially, they face a, a catch-22 scenario with regards to obtaining a, even a primary education. Uh, crippling poverty requires many young men and women to forego an education in order to provide for families. Uh, at the same time, a lack of sufficient schooling and vital job skills training prohibits youth and young women from securing meaningful employment opportunities. And in parallel with that, children and youth who do attend primary and secondary school don't receive a quality education. So as you can see, the current literacy statistics reflect the effects of nearly two generations of Somalis deprived of a proper education. We've got 37.8 percent of the total population can read and write, 25.8 percent of women are literate. And for the few youth who are able to make it to university study, they find that existing education and skills don't match the types of jobs demanded at the labor market. So a situation has emerged in which even university educated youth are experiencing high unemployment rates because they don't meet the needs of the formal labor market. If we could switch to the next slide. And just a, a bit of context on the ICT landscape. Uh, so traditionally, radio has been an important channel of communication in Somalia. But ever-expanding mobile phone networks are providing a level of region-wide coverage that no single Somalia-based radio station can claim. And the service sector has become the most dynamic part of the Somali economy and private telecommunications firms provide wireless access in most major cities, and they offer the lowest international call rates on the African continent. Now, it's been argued, it's true, that, that mobile phone subscription rates are fairly low in comparison with neighboring states. Uh, but 
the number of mobile phones has grown exponentially since 2002. So we've jumped from 35,000 in 2002 uh, to nearly 655,000 at the end of 2011. So it's a massive, massive increase. Uh, and so in short, we, the mobile phone truly provides the most dynamic, cost-effective approach to communicating and receiving vital information between community members across distance. Uh, and we at SUSE have found that, consequently, it offers great potential to empower marginalized communities through more equal access to information. If we can switch to the next slide. And so just a, a little bit about who we are at SUPTO. Um We were founded in 2006, and since that time, we've developed and delivered M-Learning and mobile phone job find services for young men and women in emerging markets. And our services have been deployed in over 16 key countries in Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. Okay, next slide, please. Okay, so, so moving on to, uh, to the Dab Eo Daheb initiative. Uh, we were, we at Supta were asked to provide services for the USAID funded Somali Youth Livelihoods Program, and I'll go ahead and refer to that as SYLP from this point forward. Uh, SYLP was launched in 2008 and ran through 2011, and it provided job training and placement for 8,000 young people and focused on delivering core content through mobile technology. And so late 2008, we began supporting the lead project Implementer EDC by operating an SMS and voice-based job information service. And this service was launched across Puntland, South Central Somalia, and Somaliland. And it allowed EDC staff to send out information rapidly on a large scale to mobile phones on Somalia's Telefam and Golis mobile phone networks. And then in, in early 2011, we were approached to provide mobile financial literacy services to support SYLP's Dab Eo Daheb initiative. And this initiative was aimed to build basic money management skills among youth, and particularly among young women, so that they could make more informed decisions about their personal household or small business expenditures. And upon completion, the service was utilized by approximately 1,400 young people and, and tested their knowledge of key livelihood concepts while providing real-time feedback. If we could go to the next slide. Now, I just want to give you an overview of, of how the audio service worked. Uh, a key focus of our service provision for WDAHEB was the delivery of educational content Via, via mobile interactive audio instruction, or we say IAI. Uh, so here, an, an interactive audio library allowed low-literacy Somali communities to access on-demand recorded content on a range of topics, and focus here was on financial literacy, uh, through touch-tone keypad menus. So as an initial step in, in implementing IAA for the WDAHEB service, EDC staff in a, in a central office would record and upload short segments of audio content to a central database. And each of these programs, and there were 40 programs total, each approximately 20 minutes in length. Uh, and again, content 
included, uh, you know, there was an example of an educational program with Saving 101, uh, very similar to a podcast. Uh, and EDC would then distribute these financial literacy-focused Somali language audio lessons to different SYLP groups across a wide geographic expanse. Um, but they, they found after they had recorded these lessons and were looking to distribute to, to various youth across the region, they found that the distribution method presented several challenges, uh, one of which was that they had no clear way to interact with the young listeners and to ensure that beneficiaries truly understood the curriculum. And they also lacked good tools to track the number of program listeners over time. So, so this is where we at Sukhsal stepped in. And to solve the, par the problem, we, we partnered with EDC to create a customized mobile software platform. So it, we offered two components. And um, I, I can show you in just a second the, the service provision. I have different sites that will, will show you how uh, of the different components. So we have a touch tone audio quiz, which would test listeners' knowledge, and an SMS-based listenership tracking tool. And so if we can switch to the next slide, uh, I can show you. So the first service, as I mentioned, is a touch tone audio quiz. So we at Sukhtel set up a toll-free audio hotline that the program listeners could call after hearing each of the pre-recorded MP3 segments. And the hotline would prompt youth to answer questions about the day's lesson via their phone's keypad. Uh, so this slide, uh, users call a special free local phone number and are greeted with a recorded welcome message. Users are invited to create a listener profile. We can switch to the next slide. And at any time, users can call the free phone number and search for content via, content via touchstone menu. So this is an example. So Youth will call in, uh, complete a quiz, if we can switch the, to the third slide. And they would, using that, the, the touch, uh, the keypad, they would input answers for each quiz. And, and once listeners comp completed an audio lesson, they could, uh, they, they were, or, sorry, excuse me, once they completed the audio quizzes on lesson content, uh, they would receive, for correct responses, they'd be greeted by applause. Incorrect responses would prompt, uh, uh, would lead to prompts to try again or to receive additional instruction as necessary. If we can switch to the next slide. And demonstrates again how users can listen to audio contact, the content direct from the audio library. Uh, and I, so I mentioned we also provided a second service which was an SMS-based listenership tracking tool. And so we designed a customized web database that allowed EDC to track participation and learner progress on all mobile-based quizzes. And again, a short SMS survey tool let classrooms and classroom instructors text in the number of listeners present at each learning session. So this was really critical for, free, for the pre- and post-test evaluations. Uh, and to see what kind of impact the service had over time. So we can go to the next slide. So as I mentioned, to assess the effectiveness of the audio instruction initiative in improving the financial literacy outcomes of youth, EDC carried out an outcome evaluation toward the end of the project's lifespan. 
And again, the objective of the evaluation was to identify positive change in attitudes or knowledge among participating youth. And by in doing so, by comparing the pre-test and post-test scores on a basic financial literacy assessment tool. Uh, so the assessment tool, again, contained both knowledge and attitudinal questions that were based on the content of the audio and learning programs. Uh, so as you can see here, quantitative results. Um, the two concepts, just to summarize, the two concepts where youth demonstrated the most substantial knowledge improvement were saving money and establishing and reaching financial goals. And they also demonstrated, albeit to a lesser extent, improvement in their understanding of the concept of budgeting to manage one's finances. Uh, so again, the comparison of pre- and post-test outcomes showed a, a positive and statistically significant change in test scores for both the attitudinal and knowledge-based questions. And if we could switch to the next slide. I've just listed here uh, a selection of quotes from participating learners, male and female. Uh, this M-Learning program reflects our daily lives and the situations discussed are very common. Uh, most youth who emigrate have little money. This program can help them realize that they can use that money to start a business rather than emigrate, for example. Uh, can we go to the next slide, please? So with regards to the project's impact on women, EDC reported that the use of mobile technology was significantly beneficial for girls and young women. And these services facilitated learning in safe spaces so that women didn't have to go against social norms, for example, interacting with males. Uh, we also found that in ensuring that the content of the messages and curriculum was customized to local contexts and including female lead characters, real-life learning scenarios that reflect female learners' actual daily experience, these all increase interest in the curriculum components and therefore increase participation among young women. Can we go to the next slide? In terms of lessons learned for effective ICT integration into instructional programs such as Dabia Daheb, Sukil found that the beauty of such mobile audio services is, is really that minimal infrastructure is required. The services can be accessed through low-cost handsets wherever a network signal is available. And these factors combined suggest that this is a solution that can be highly effective uh, for delivering education at scale. However, project success does depend upon the support of a number of in-country and even regional stakeholders. Uh, to promote this initiative, EDC had to partner with over 50 local NGOs across these regions and had to train NGO facilitators to implement the curriculum. So active engagement between the home and field offices is key. Uh, and equally central to the successful scale-up and sustainability of initiatives like WDAHEB is the support of committed mobile network counterparts, uh, which I've listed here and I will uh, talk about in, in more depth in, in the following slides, so if we could switch to that. So 
So just to reiterate, so based on our experience with this initiative, any future scale-up of similar ICT solutions that aim to empower women uh, are going to depend upon the support of a number of in-country and, and probably regional stakeholders. So one, strong partnerships will need to be forged with local education implementers, female community groups, uh, but most especially mobile networks uh, where feasible. Um, over the course of the past decade, a rapidly growing number of mobile service providers have been established in Somaliland, Puntland, and South Central Somalia. Uh, however, there's a, a lack of clear telecoms regulation, and uh, ongoing interregional tensions means that not all of these companies can offer network coverage in multiple jurisdictions. Uh, so even within regions, we found that poor interconnectivity between mobile networks is a particularly serious problem, and especially we found in South Central Somalia. So in order for future mobile campaigns to be far-reaching and to target female listeners across the regions, partnerships will need to be strengthened uh, between M-Learning service implementers and mobile networks, and also between the mobile operators themselves. So for, for the WDHUB service, we ended up concluding agreements with multiple individual regional mobile networks, and we worked directly with network staff in Somaliland, Puntland, and even the UK to set up and launch the service on Telesom, NationLink, Golis, mobile network infrastructure. So this is a very lengthy and time-consuming process when you compare it with similar service startup efforts in other countries. Uh, so enhanced cooperation between mobile networks could help save substantial time and resources for future service rollouts. But and just sort of to conclude, if policy, if policy makers encourage the growth of innovative education technologies like the WDHEB initiative, and if, if cooperation is facilitated uh, between stakeholders and mobile networks in the area, then we found that the potential impacts could be tremendous, uh, and especially given the off-the-charts growth of mobile penetration. Uh, if, if educators, governments, and the mobile sector join forces, uh, again, we, we see incredible potential. Um, so that's, that is the presentation. Uh, I will open it up to questions if there are some. So at this time, we would like to start taking questions from the audience. As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, you can type your question into the group conversation window within LINK. I'm also going to unmute the audience. You can unmute yourself and ask a question to our presenter today. And it looks like we do have one question in the chat window. Mm -hmm. Can you give some examples of real-life learning examples and tailoring that you did of the curriculum? Mm -hmm. So Soupfell didn't actually design the curriculum. We implement, implemented the, we provide the, the mobile phone uh, service. I do know in speaking with EDC staff, so WDHUB, it was um, sort of like a, a soap opera. Uh, so each, uh, each episode, each podcast is like based on, on uh, a certain character. Uh, I can provide. Um, I, I can provide a link to more to to the EDC website 
that can provide the actual curriculum. I wasn't involved in developing the curriculum. But uh, I, I know based on conversations with EDC staff uh, that they were based on the, the situation that an average Somali youth would find himself or herself in. Uh, if that makes sense, but I don't actually because I didn't I didn't write the curriculum and we still didn't write the curriculum. Um, that it would be a question better directed towards EDC staff. Um, but I can provide uh, to follow up with this. I can provide a, a link with more specific curriculum information. That's a great question, though. Um, are there any other questions? If you have a question, you can manually unmute yourself within link and ask a question directly to the presenter, or you can type a question into the conversation window. Let's see. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, I see that one. Okay, okay. We're, they were actually provided uh, mobiles, mobile phones, uh, and again, they were very low-cost handsets. I think, but um, this was one of the. I think this is one of the challenges, and particularly when we talk about sort of scaling up a, a, a similar initiative. Um, Again, comparatively speaking, handsets are very low cost. They're, I think you could get a handset for about $10 in Somalia. Um, but that is, a, costs are still fairly prohibitive. Um, and, and so EDC did have to provide handsets. Uh, and in, I believe they would provide, let's say, a handset to a group of it was between 18 and 20 participants, I think. So even then, participants are sharing handsets. Uh, it's not like every every youth has uh, his own or her own mobile phone. And there was a question: How many modules or podcasts did you make? 40 to start. Uh, there were 40 total, so it was an eight-week. Uh, so this is again EDC um, pre-recorded 40 lessons, each lesson 20 minutes long. I believe the total training was about eight weeks. Great. And uh, what was the adaptation rate you had with your pilot system? How do you increase participation? This is another uh, challenge, and uh, again, EDC would be better positioned to answer this question. Uh, but I, I know, especially given the sort of transient lifestyle of some of some of the participating youth, uh, numbers ended up decreasing, I believe, at the end. So they let's say they started with a, I want to say pre-test number was a little under 800. Uh, and that had dropped to 500, I believe, at the end. So uh, I know, especially for the the, the pilot, for the, the pilot project phase, uh, they weren't able to maintain consistent numbers of youth participants. Uh, but you know what they did at the end uh, after they had 
after the, the pilot project phase. They did end up handing, EDC uh, handed over limited licensing rights to a number of local NGOs across uh, South Central Somalia, Somaliland, Somaliland, uh, and that, that way, again, uh, they believe that more youth would have access uh, to the audio lessons. I'm not sure if that answers your question. Uh, do, is, do you want further clarification? Looks like we have several people typing. Once again, if you would like, you can unmute your device um, within link and ask your question directly to the presenter. It looks like we did have one more question come in. And um, thank you for this great presentation. It seems that your presentation seems from your presentation that having an effective negotiating body between CSR providers and network mm -hmm. companies, NGOs, and government is really helpful here to scale up this kind of initiative. Yes, definitely. Um, sorry, so is that, um, mm hmm And we have another question. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, no, that's exactly correct. And, and again, uh, as, as I mentioned toward the end of the presentation, uh, especially due to the sort of deregulated mobile um, mobile phone sectors, uh, I, I think trying to facilitate cooperation um, between mobile operators, and then again, like getting. Uh, educators, getting government officials all involved, is it going to be key to continuing to scale up? So yes, definitely, definitely. And the, the other question, do you see any way to take this more informal learning to formal and more recognized system? I'm not, so I'm not sure if, um, it's on the CV for this book. Sorry, so are you asking if, um, I'm not sure I understand that question. Could, could you clarify that for me? So it looks like they're asking, is there any way 
for the schools in Somalia, in the Somali region to recognize what students have done? Uh, okay. That's an excellent question. Uh, again, I, I believe EDC would be, EDC um, project staff would be better positioned to answer that. Um, but again, so there's some initiatives sort of emerged because of the lack of a, a formal and or, you know, quality education system. Um, I agree that, uh, I mean, ideally you would want to, to move a similar initiative to the larger and more formal um, educational institutions. Uh, um, but I, I don't, I, I don't know that I can completely answer that question. Right. Um, I know, and I don't. I, I don't. I don't think that there was any sort of attempt. Uh, don't quote me. I'm not 100% correct on this. I might not be 100% correct on this. But I, I don't think there was some sort of um, certificate handout. Uh, I believe it truly was for, you know, to increase uh, awareness um, about financial literacy among participating youth. I, I don't. No, I don't believe that there was a badge or a certificate or um, like a formal recognition of of um, of completion of the lessons, but I can double check on that. Uh -huh. How much training was required of the NGO partners to use the software? That is a good question. Um, I'm looking back. Uh, now, I, again, as I mentioned, they did partner with over 50 uh, local NGOs um, to train and, and train staff. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how long the training was. Um, No, I don't believe I have that information. It was, yes, it was a very simple system. I don't believe training would have been that long. Um, and it really consisted of uh, just knowing how to text back the number of attendees uh, to the central system. Again, we do this every time, like for example, every time Sue Tell hands over um, a customized system to uh, a, a partner. Um, training doesn't consist of usually not more than an hour uh, of just explaining how how to use the handset or how to to use the web platform uh, 
to send alerts or survey uh, survey questions uh, to participants who have the mobile phone. I see a question about what other countries have Sukta already carried out. Uh-huh. Um, oh, goodness. Uh, well, we, we were originally, or our flagship program, um, our flagship service is our job matching service in Palestine. Uh, so we were founded back in 2006 uh, in Palestine. And the idea was that there was a mismatch between youth, uh, there was a mismatch between, or lack of access, I should say, um, of information about what jobs were out there. Like, youth were graduating from university. Uh, there were jobs out there, but there was no good way of finding out what the jobs were. Um, so what we created was what we call our, our job match service. So uh, a job seeker, example, a university graduate, will upload or text via SMS will upload a mini CD, we call it. And that information, uh, name, location, education level, uh, sector, job sector, that information gets put into our system, it's uploaded to our system. And at the same time, an employer will create what we call a mini job ad. So what they're looking for, uh, somebody with uh, English skills, who is a university graduate, who is based in Ramallah, Palestine. Some information gets uploaded to our system, and uh, our developers have created an algorithm that matches. So if there's a match, then the job seeker will receive a text message saying, contact, there's a potential match, please contact so-and-so at this phone number to schedule an interview. So that was how we started their job match information service. Uh, that started in Palestine, we currently run that in Jordan, in Morocco, in Egypt, in Somalia, mm -hmm, and also in, uh, in Rwanda. We also have just a basic, we call it SMS, SMS alerts and survey systems. So um, if EDC, for example, wants to collect in beneficiary information or to conduct opinion polls or something like that, we can create a, um, a, a customized system which will enable them via web platform to send out informational alerts or to send out alerts to trigger uh, survey responses from beneficiaries. And all that information um, is uploaded to their, the results, I mean, of the surveys uh, would be uploaded to their system for, for data analysis and so forth. And uh, SMS alerts and surveys, oh goodness, we run, again, we, we, we operate in over 16 countries uh, across the MENA region, uh, East Africa. Uh, we've even got a project, we've currently got a project out in Vanuatu um, where we're, uh, we're partnering with SAVE, uh, who, is, who has their village health workers uh, texting every week um, Patient, or to, to collect health data um, of, of uh, beneficiaries out on the island. So we, we operate in quite a number of countries. You're welcome.
Are there any other questions? You're welcome. It was my pleasure. It doesn't appear that there are any other questions from the audience. Did you have any closing statements that you would like to make? No, it was, it was truly an honor to, uh, to share a presentation with you today. I hope it was um, helpful. And um, I, I, I would, um, I'm not sure how to get it out to you, but I would like to, I would like to answer that question about uh, the curriculum. I don't know if there's a link that I can provide afterwards or uh, how that would work. Angela, any ideas on how I might do that? Um, a follow-up email will be sent to um, all of the participants with the link to view the recording. Um, if one of the attendees would like um, to post their email address, I can deliver that to you as well. Okay, that would be wonderful. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> there are no further questions. We're going to go ahead and close today's session. I'd like to thank you for logging in and joining us today. And this concludes today's presentation. You may now disconnect from this call.